I grew up in Old Road, right? And mm-hmm. the water quality down there is 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 different. It's yes. it's drinkable, like it's like tastes great. So when I came to town to live, I'm like, um, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Where know. does this taste? Like, can't be like, like that. But yeah, so I, I have any, no problem with it. Yeah. I don't know, it just tastes a little toxic. I just can't. <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with it. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after a nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You have selfish, ignorant citizens. You're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. No, no, no. Wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith. I am here in studio today with Mrs. Victoria O'Flaherty. AKA Vicky. I'm gonna call her Vicky because she doesn't want me to call her Miss Mrs. O'Flahati. So to formal. Mrs. O'Flahati, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. O'Flahati is a historian. She was the also the former director of the National Archives. Um, which means this is information central. This lady has written books before. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is the whole deal right now. So much adoration, so much respect. Um, <laughs> and I have so much questions. Um, this is the only guest that I've ever had on the show that has given me notes before the show. <laughs> All right? Because there's so much content that we're going to try to get through today. All right. So before we even start, normally we have a fact of fiction section, but we're not going to have a fact of fiction section today. What we're going to do is I basically looked up some facts about global education, how it is now. So that when we go back into the past and we start looking at how education has evolved and so on, we kind of see where we are. And if we're making any real movement far beyond what was the past. All right. So again, Miss, Mrs. Victoria, Miss Vicky, welcome again. So let's just yep. drop these points really quick. Um, no particular order. So number one, um, right now, around the world, 59 million children of primary school age are being denied an education. And almost 65 million adolescents are without access to secondary schools. So mm-hmm. that's point number one. Point number two, a child whose mother can read is 50% more likely to survive past the age of five. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. And number three, about 160 million children ages five to 17 around the world are engaged in child labor working in jobs that deprive them of their childhood, interfere with schooling, or harm their mental, physical, and or social development, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, the reason I chose those quotes is because, again, based on Vicky's notes, which were extensive, and I feel like we're going to share some of those notes mm-hmm. as the week goes by when we release this tomorrow. Well, we release this today. Um, and we're going to just, just give people as much information as we could in background, right? So let's start off. So, Miss Vicky. Mm-hmm. Kind of a personal question, but when did you start, um, you know, exploring history? When did you find that you had a love for history? Um, when I was not allowed to do art in school. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too much story. So, so, so when was this? When was this? Oh, this was in my teens. Oh. And I, I went to junior college in Malta. Uh-huh. And... Um, I was forced to take history, Italian, 
and English lit. And English lit. <laughs> and I did not want to take any of them, really. I wanted to do art. Um, but I was told the junior college I was going to, which was part of the university, mm -hmm. did not do art. And I wanted to graduate from a university, not from a teacher's training college. Correct. So um, <laughs> I did not get a chance to do art, so I started playing around. Well, I never did very well with Italian at that point. Literature, English lit was okay, although I started exploring things like um, American authors mm. and African authors oh, wow. instead of um, the usual English authors. And you, 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 it sounds like your teachers would have been like, Vicky, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We don't respect yes. those the same we respect <laughs> these people. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. It was a bit like that. Like, you know, please read this so you could pass your exam. Exactly. <laughs> you know? You're diverting. Why? Yeah. Uh -huh. And then one day um, we had a question in in the history class, European history, mm -hmm. and it was about um, socialism in Europe, the development of socialism. Uh -huh. And I got an A minus, and I told myself, okay, this is the, I'm getting there. And then the next essay was about constitutional history in Malta. Mm -hmm. And I, I hummed and hooed and did all sorts of research and and so on, and couldn't get this essay started. And one day I just closed all the books and I told myself, I'm writing from what I remember. And I wrote it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I got an A again. So I guess that was it. <laughs> is it is it to me? Because I, I feel like I've had a similar experience with my runnings with history. Yeah. I was always like super curious about like, okay, this is what the textbook says, but what does the textbook really imply? I did not like the whole history of kings and queens and oh. and thing. But when it came down to the ordinary man, man yeah. and woman and child and their progress through life and you know how they managed to survive, that that, that got my curiosity going. So so in terms of okay, in terms of history and because I mean history education, they're kind of interwoven into your whole mm. experience. Like when you when did you first start becoming an educator, not just somebody who is like researching history, but somebody who's actually teaching? Oh, that was more or less forced on me. It was forced? Yeah, because um, when I came to St. Kitts um, in 1981, mm -hmm. a long time ago, <laughs> um, I was looking for work. Mm -hmm. And everybody kept telling me, okay, what, do you ha what, what area did you um, study? study? I told them history. They said, oh, you're going to teach then. And that's... That's it. That was the only job I could fill at the time. So then um, in 95, the former archivist, she, she, she didn't just hold archives. She did other jobs in Indeed. government. Mm -hmm. um, she died, Mari Weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, and I was asked if I'd be interested in filling the job. And they separated archives from all her other duties. And I felt so rested <laughs> and accomplished and happy. And because you were, you were not was, doing what I you like? I wasn't just doing what I like. Mm -hmm. I was helping other people do 
what I like. <laughs> because they, people who, who wanted to do research came to me. Correct, correct. So, so it broadened my horizon in the sense that I was interested in certain things, like, for instance, labor history is still one of my, my uh, big um, interests. Mm -hmm. um, because that's where I, what my dissertation in Malta was about, labor history labor over history. there. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, they, they came to me with other things that they were studying. I'll, I'll never forget the time when somebody from Canada came down and told me he wants to research marker trees. Marker I him, trees? I told him, what the hell is that? He said, they're the trees that... They're, they're the posts that people po um, put in the ground and, and then they become trees because they're marking the boundary of, of, a, of a property. A property. Oh. And he wanted to um, research them for environmental reasons. Mm -hmm. Who the on heck? earth would have thought of that? I mean, to me... That was amazing, and that I could get to share in that. Correct. <laughs> and then to follow so, that process through, yeah. so that you get that information. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Marker trees. Yes. I don't know if he ever published anything, because we kind of lost contact after he, he did his research. Mm. But, you know, little things like this are so stimulating stimulating yeah you know and unforgettable because yes. like here you are you're telling yeah. the story marker trees yeah. Yeah. Tree. yeah boundary trees boundary tree boundary and marker yeah wow all right so let's dig a little deeper so let's go a little deeper um in terms of education um mm -hmm. one of the things that i realize in your notes is that there are different forms mm -hmm. of, of of education i mean i think what we normally think of as education is scholastic like we, we think okay you know you go to school you know yes. you, they give you a book and they say okay well you know mm -hmm. here you go study but what 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 are the different forms of 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 of, of education and mm -hmm. and and being educated like how do what what are, how, how much forms does that take okay um you said you read my notes, so you, I did. You, you, <laughs> you would realize that education involves things like values, skills, morals, you know, cultural um, development, all sorts of things like that, habits. These aren't always taught through books. As a matter of fact, most of them come to us through non-literate means, means. Mm -hmm. interactions between people. The fact that you're, um, the, the way you bring up a baby Mm -hmm. I'm seeing that with Tamara right now. <laughs> because <laughs> you, you, know? you don't have yes. another generation yes. like, yes. I taught you, but yeah. you're teaching somebody else. Yes, it's, it's yes. I mean, fr th these things start from birth. True. And they're just as valuable and sometimes even more valuable than the formal education from schools and from teachers and so on. True. So you have these things and they're, they're very important. Mm -hmm. And... I think we often dismiss them. True. Like, for instance, um, when I was doing my archives course, um, one of the courses was oral history. Mm -hmm. And it was so important to do that particular module because we really don't realize how much oral history gives us um, in, in, um, in the way of knowledge not true 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 mm -hmm. um I know here it here be. in the caribbean it tends to come to us through things like the calypsos mm. right mm -hmm. um 
they're they're criticizing. Yes. You know? And it is and social even commentary. Though, even yeah. if you don't agree with them, the fact that they're criticizing makes you think. Mm -hmm. Okay, is this right or is this wrong? You know, mm -hmm. do Should I, agree I look with into that? this? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then there are societies out there that are totally based on that sort of on 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 the the spoken word. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, um, one of the things I, I've I've mentioned in in the notes was was the Kalinago, mm -hmm. the Caribs, the Caribs. As, we, as we know them more, more commonly. commonly. Mm -hmm. But out of respect, because that is what they like to be called, is we call it, we should be calling them the Kalinago. Because the Caribs would be a name that the English, the, uh, Spanish, not the, the, Spanish, the Spanish gave them. Gave them. Yeah. Was there yeah. a difference between the Spanish? Because the, the, I've always asked this question and I never got a, a mm -hmm. definer. There were the, 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 the Spanish cataloged the Arawaks and the Caribs, mm -hmm. right? As as two completely distinct, yes. distinct tribes. That that was that was yes. There was, was a distinction. Mm -hmm. um, there's the Tainos and the Kalinagos. The Tainos, Tainos and which are called Arawaks, mm -hmm. and the Kalinagos, which we've learned to call um, the Caribs. Or the Caribs. But the thing is, were the Carib were the, the Kalinago more aggressive in, in, in fact, or is it that they just wanted to demonize them? Um, I think part of it is the demonization, mm -hmm. and par um, part of it was that they were a people on the move. Oh. And, you know, people on the move can get aggressive about territory. Of course, of course. Especially if they're not allowed to settle. True. Um, so, so, yeah, um, it, it might be a bit of a mix, mm -hmm. but I, I tend to feel that they're more demonized than anything, than anything else. else. Yeah. Did, did the Kalinago have any, did they have written records? No. No. Okay. No. That is why we have so, such little knowledge about them in mm -hmm. many ways. We, um, we've had digs here, um, people doing... Um, you know, excavation, the, the work. excavation work. I think Bloody Point was one, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Bloody Point has those. Um, uh, no, sorry. The the rivers mm -hmm. in Old Road have those beautiful um, ca um, carriage drawings, drawings. Mm -hmm. um, and that that in itself shows you that they were passing on information. Oh. All right, because we might be interpreting it different to the way they were interpreting it, but it was a communication. To, yeah. Either to their own people or, just or to the spirits in general. Oh, you know, wow. it could have been that. So, wow. um, yeah. So and, we, we, and remember, they, mm -hmm. they would have been communicating other things like skills. Correct, um, yeah. Uh, the knowledge of weaving, because that was, would have been important for them. They, they probably would have carried water. In, in some tightly woven baskets or even in clay pots. Wow. Um, the skill of fishing, mm -hmm. you know, that would have been... Vital. Yeah. And some of them even had the skill of being able to foretell hurricanes. Correct, right, yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if, if in our days... I mean, the hurricanes probably would be a, a little more harsh now. Um, but if in our days we don't have prayer warning and there's so much catastrophic mm -hmm. devastation i could only imagine if you know you're not living in a you know a, a, a concrete um housing thing you're just you're basically living in touch and, and so on and yet and yet they survive not only did they survive in some cases so did their huts Wow. Because they were round, which means the wind Would go traveled around. around them. It didn't Beautiful. just face it. Mm -hmm. Head on, yeah. Thing. It had that 
nice thatch roof with a, a good point Conical in top. it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it um, the, the water slid down. And again, yes, if it's a strong hurricane, it's going to destroy things. But they were built well well enough to 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 last for and i think you said it earlier but i don't think we we recognize the genius or the ingenuity of 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 those you know those tribes because again as you said it's it's a rounded hut so it's mm -hmm. not like it's not standing up it's not it's not yeah. you know it's not taking the full brunt of anything mm -hmm. it's 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 allowing you yeah. know some some aerodynamics right right yeah. but before there was aerodynamics there <laughs> yes. was there was knowledge of what this would Could do, do. and I, I feel like we don't take enough you know, from those people, we, mm -hmm. we kind of dismiss them, even in terms of medicine. It's I've like actually seen um, in the last few years some experimental designs where they, they are almost similar to those huts, wow. where houses are being built with that kind of roundishness. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is the amount of land such a, 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 structure. a structure might need, mm -hmm. but the idea is there. And I'm sure some architect will, one of these days, work out. Well, um, they, they, they're already doing it. I don't know if you know of the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai, which is the world's okay. tall, the tallest yes. building. A lot of the construction is rounded mm. because, they, they, again, aerodynamics. Mm -hmm. So it's the same, same concept. Mm -hmm. Large scale. Huma well, large scale is very... I don't think that's the, that's 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 an understatement. <laughs> Humongous scale, yes. gigantuan. Yes. But it's the same sort of. It's the same theory. It's like yes. if we build it this way, the wind will be able to go around right. it, and it won't. It won't. You know, it will have a. We could have a bigger structure without having the need to do a lot of repairs. Yes. Or have you know the need for hey you know we need danger assessment because this thing this mm -hmm. thing would fall if it, if the wind blew yeah. too hard. Right. So in terms of um, our education system, because, I mean, we still use storytelling. I mm -hmm. mean, this whole podcast is basically based, built on, you know, voices and, yes. and just, you know, expressing terms and talking to people like yourself and kind of putting it on record mm -hmm. that this exists. But in terms of the historical record of education, like, I mean, in terms of slavery, because even beyond that, were slaves allowed to learn like the, the normal way? Like, you know, when I say normal, you know, the Europeans really do believe in a lot of, you know, jotting down notes, give you a book, read this, mm -hmm. and, and that's how we pass on information. Okay, two things. Mm -hmm. One, very few Europeans read and wrote at, the, at that time. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, often it would have been the wealthier ones mm -hmm. who could do it um, because they had been exposed to some kind of schooling. Correct. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is, yes, there were some that were permitted, permitted. to, and, and, and they show up in the, in the slave registers as, as kids who are being taught to read or write or taught, to, taught a trade, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing, because trades um, are useful. Are useful. Mm -hmm. um, I know, of, for instance, um, a young man might have been taught masonry, whilst mm -hmm. a young woman would have been taught seamstressing, you know, mm -hmm. dressmaking. Um, there's that. Another thing that people don't give much notice to mm -hmm. is the fact that we had Muslim slaves here. What? Who were, some of whom had been attending school in their original country 
and already knew how to read and write Arabic so they could read and write from the Quran. So, we had Muslim slaves? Yep. Which makes sense because Britain, when was this? Was this during, but this would have to have been during I, the I, British. I came across, I mean, this is something that was in my head for a long time. And then I found a book. Um, can't remember the title right now, but it was about Muslim slaves. Mm-hmm. And um, the, they said there were about five um, imams in the French side of St. Kitts. Five imams? What's yeah, an imam? A teacher. Oh, teacher. Five teachers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So these people could have taught, but obviously it would have been Arabic. Mm-hmm. They could have taught um, other people. The um, Arabic? Yeah. Language? Yeah. yeah. Especially if they were passing on any remnants of the, the Muslim faith, if they, were being, if they were allowed to, or if they could do it clandestinely, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. I did not so, know that. Yeah. So, so this whole idea about slaves being illiterate, one, I refuse to call them illiterate because they were non-literate. Most of them had not been taught to read and correct, write. Correct, correct. Which means that they were not given the opportunity. Opportunity to learn, yeah. The one, there were those that had been given the opportunity, but they were not fluent in English mm. or, or Spanish or French, a European language. Mm. They were still educated in, in the sense of being able to read and write. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there was also oral tradition. And, you have, and that's, that's one of the things that helped because we, we tend to say, oh, the Europeans um, wiped out all f- signs of African culture. That's they didn't. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They tried to control it. Mm. But how could they tell the enslaved not to talk about their experiences mm-hmm. in their huts? True, true. They didn't have the surveying um, mm-hmm. mechanisms, mechanisms that, we that we have today. True. One. Mm-hmm. Two, you have old women looking after children. And how do you entertain children? By giving them stories. And where were these stories going to come from? From that person experience. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. the traditions continued, although not as in full force Mm -hmm. as they should have been. True. Because they they kind of deteriorated. Yes, they changed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we, we still got... For every every so often, the new enslaved that were brought in mm-hmm. kind of replenished the pool. Correct. Yes, yes, that makes you sense. You know, so, so it helped in that way. Was it good? Of course not, but... It was an awful situation. Yeah, that had some, something for us that, um, you know, shows us where, where the, the lineage came comes from. from. So it, even if it's not documented as such, it's, it's still passed down. Yeah. Because even our culture, our cultural elements, I mean, even some of the, you know, the carnival elements, yes, but yeah. but there's so much like interwoven pieces. We're not fully, you know, acclimatized to just the European traditions. Oh, no, no, no. We still have very nuanced, very mm-hmm. African-based mm-hmm. cultures. Yes. Um, the other day, I think I went to um, San Andreas a couple of years ago. 
and I was surprised that they have a very vibrant bull okay. tradition. And it's, it was weird to me mm-hmm. because we have a bull story and I thought it was just basically from saying it's like that whole bull symbology thing. It's not... It's no. not, it seems like he has some African roots and everybody could, took a different trajectory to keep exactly, it alive. Exactly, yeah, yeah. That is known to have happened. Same thing with the masquerade. Some of the steps are very African mm-hmm. and then you have the others that come in with a little bit of, you know, what, what do they the call it? The waltz, the waltz, yeah. And, and and they have different names, um, like of different dances. The quadrille. The quadrille again. Yes, that's another yeah. Europe. But the yeah. thing is, they did that to make. I thought they did it to make fun of. Probably. Yeah, Very likely. It, it, it's why almost not? like why not? Because if we have this this one there to express ourselves, like we're gonna make fun, which is I guess actually, actually uh-huh. every Christmas. Um. After uh, the day after Christmas, when they when they had been given all these um foods and so on and they were allowed that week off between Christmas and New Year that was, that's a, a very old tradition here wow. um, the Europeans did not the European planters did not interfere with what um, the enslaved did mm-hmm. for entertainment and they actually watched and some very often they were simply making fun of the, um, the, the planter the priest the lawyer, you know, these were stories that they put together in their own way. Um, we have lost nega business here, mm-hmm. but that used to be one of the major ways of criticizing society. Has it, it, would, it would you say, I mean, I guess nega business would have been different, but is, is the culture of um, Calypso mm-hmm. somewhat, you know, kind of trying to keep that element and still doing the same sort of criticizing of, of the, the... I, I, don't would, I feel it's part of it, mm-hmm. that it, it's, it's just changed, but it's the same, in the same vein. In the same vein, Because yeah. um, there was a plant, there was a carpenter here, a white carpenter, called Samuel Augustus Matthew. And that name sounds very familiar. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was, he, he, I think he died in the early 1800s, probably in Demerara. Mm. But he, he was Kittishan. And one of the things he did was he wrote songs in the language of the enslaved. He probably did not perform those songs here because mm. he traveled um, to oh, other right. islands. Mm-hmm. And you can see that there's some sort of, you know, um, tradition in, in the fact that he, he's... he's He's, he's singing something um, about the enslaved, which they probably might have done themselves. Themselves too, you know? I mean, the stories were social criticisms as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> like like the, the overseer could not misbehave with an attractive female slave, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> but, yeah. But it was coming true nonetheless. Yes, yes, yes. And so he did two things. One shows that Calypso has deeper roots than we think. Than you thought. Mm-hmm. And two, he's, he, thanks to him, we have um, the uh, language of the enslaved surviving. Oh, um, through his writings. Through his, because he actually wrote the words. The music has not survived. Mm. The music has not survived, which is, which is a shame. It would have been nice to hear what rhythms Authentic, and cadences yeah. and so on that were, were going through. 
But yeah. But there th- these are. things, when they, I mean, Vicky, when, when we look at it, is, is it that everything, well, things are lost because we don't know how it was exactly then, but is it like an evolutionary adaptation kind of process? Because, I mean, I feel like the African drum, mm-hmm. especially it's some of the same cadences and patterns mm-hmm. like you find in even, like Nigeria has like these, these musical mm-hmm. patterns. Like, they seem so similar to our own musical pattern especially when we're yes. playing like masquerade and that's yeah. kind of drum pattern like yeah. like is it that we've lost it or is it just that it's kind of adapted i think it's adapted and moved it's adapted. to a, like a different space. remember um the people who have been passing it on have not been going back to africa true true yeah i mean my son is interested in in drumming mm-hmm. and when he was living in trinidad he had the f- good fortune of being exposed to some of the drummers from africa i think burkina faso and mali mm-hmm. um, wow. so he learned certain rhythms that we don't people here don't use yet true. anymore mm-hmm. um I hope he still remembers <laughs> So he can because, pass them on. Yeah, he's got a young, a little boy there who, who, looks, who looks like he's interested in drumming too. So. <laughs> Which little boy is interested you know? in making as much noise exactly. as possible? Exactly. So, but he's so, hoping he I could mean, pass th- it. That's, that's what happens. You, mm-hmm. You've got a people who came over, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing it in myself too. I mean, I, I'm here. Every once in a while I say something in Maltese. Mm-hmm. Can I speak the language? It takes me a while to gear up to it when I go back home. Oh wow! You know, because it, it, I've uh, my my um, my thought processes have been affected by the English language that's available here now. Correct, correct. Yes, you know. So and you're exercising that yes. that part every day, yeah. but you as with the so Maltese. I'm there. I'm there um, in front of my sister who who refuses to speak English most of the time. Oh my! And and, <laughs> and trying to. <laughs> Make sure that I can, uh, you know, respond to her in Maltese. And yet all these English words, sometimes Kittishan words coming out. <laughs> but there again, I mean, you've been here for so long. It's yes. like, like the Kittishan would be such a, an instrumental part of how you express yourself now. Yes, yes. Wow. Although, although my, um, my daughters think I, <laughs> I shouldn't do, use it because I don't sound right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, I mean, with your with your daughters though, do they do they speak any any Maltese at all? They've picked up a few, a few words, words, but nothing to hold a conversation. Nothing to with. hold a conversation, yeah. and yeah. maybe just to know that okay, he's asking me where to go, but I don't know how to exactly tell him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. good. That's good in, yeah. because you're yeah. still passing on something. I like try. <laughs> and talk, talking about passing on, like in terms of teachers, because I I, I read something in your notes that just just sparked me interest even more. You were talking about teachers not being like employed by the government at all times. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I think I have a, a very twisted view mm-hmm. of what teachers are because I th- always thought that you know schools were government. No, no, you know? no, no, no. You know, like no. that. That's just generally what it was and how it's always no. been. So, like, just give me a little bit of background. Like, how did teaching evolve? You know, especially in Here all islands. Kids? Yes. Um, okay, so most in most cases the planter class sent their kids abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the ones who were capable or who had good family connections made it through university, the kind of university that was available in those days, mm-hmm. often ended up with things like law. Law. Right? Mm-hmm. 
um, local people who did not have great means would have probably sent their kids to a small school run by a teacher. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. The same um, Samuel Augustus Matthews, mm -hmm. we found his will, sorry, we found his father's will, in which he says he puts aside money for his children, for his sons to be educated. He only had sons. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. um, and then later, Matthews, Samuel August Augustus, wrote about this um, teacher who beat him too much. What? You know that? Because <laughs> yes. corporal punishment was yes. the main, yes. <laughs> main yes. tool for... Yeah. He said, he said he was not a good student, so he got a lot of licks. Um, so you've got that. And then there's another example. Um, there was an enslaved woman who was the mother of Nathaniel Wells, mm. who ended up being sheriff of Monmouthshire in England. What? Um, her... She, she, she stayed a slave uh, um, as long as her owner, Nathaniel's father, mm -hmm. wanted her to. And he, left, he set her free in his will, mm. and he left her some money. Mm -hmm. She ended up owning a house in College Street, exactly where we don't know, but I suspect it's the part between... Central Street and Liverpool Row. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and later on, we find that her nephews, because she didn't leave the house to her son, he didn't need it, he was quite well off in England. Correct. Um, she, her nephews were renting it out to a gentleman who was running a school oh. through that little... That little it spot. Would have been, it would have been a very small... Um, Operation, house, yeah. Probably a wooden house, too. Mm -hmm. um, most of the students would have been um, boys. Mm -hmm. There were some girls that actually managed to get an education, but most of the time they tended to give to teach girls cooking and seamstressing, sewing. Yeah. sewing. Um, Another like household skills. Yeah. yeah. Um, then things started to change. We got the Methodists and the Moravians, because the Anglicans were here all the time, but they did nothing. Wow. <laughs> and Vicky says that with no water in her no, mouth whatsoever. No. Um, the Methodists and the Moravians started coming and setting up things like Sunday school mm, mm -hmm. and teaching people, mostly enslaved people at the time, to read so they could read the Bible. Wow, yeah. They also told them... Um, a lot about things like, um, you know, you, you, you behave yourself, this masquerading thing has to stop, oh, things like so that. They started so to they were, they were well. influencing the culture in other ways. Mm -hmm. Did they succeed? Um, it took them a while mm -hmm. because there was resistance. Of course. Um, one of the people who had tried something an Anglican minister who tried it um, within his, his circle was James Ramsey. He was, um, he was um, minister for Ch Christ Church. Mm. Um, and where else? I think he had another parish. But he wrote a book 
a, a, a dissertation about the conversion of African slaves. Okay. And in it, he, he mentions this old man whom he tried to, to, to talk convert. to. <laughs> and he, the man turned on him and told him, I don't want to have anything to do with white man God. So <laughs> Straight up. Yes. Straight, he's so, being so honest. There's, there's resistance. True. Mm-hmm. And there's a, um, accommodation. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened was the accommodation came because people started to realize that reading especially, writing if it could be had, um, would open doors. Correct, yes. And so they started sacrificing certain things which they enjoyed, like the masquerades and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, may, maybe not as we know them today, but in the, in, in the, in the way they were at the time. In order to get, that. get to that point where they and their children could, read. could start making progress within society. Could they do a lot? Probably not, because they were still enslaved. Mm-hmm. After, 1834, after 1838, actually, things started to change. Then, you, you, you know, everybody was free. Free, yeah, uh, In theory. In theory, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and therefore, there was this whole thing about trying to educate. Education became the vehicle for, um, for progress. progress. Mm-hmm. Um, mobility, social mobility. mobility correct. You know? Mm-hmm. If, you, if, you're, if you knew how to read and write, you could get a job um, in, in a, a small business. Correct. Instead of know? just outside doing... Yes. You yeah. could teach. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, what happened. Um, after, um, in the years between... 1834 and 38, the micro-charity in England and, and the churches here and so on um, went through a spurt of trying to set up schools. Mm. And it continued that way for a, for a while mm-hmm. um, until the money ran out. And then it all depended on... Um, the teachers and so on. The, the teachers, the, the way they could raise money if they could, and... Sometimes they would collect, like do a collection and, and help, or bring in people, ask people to help build this thing and, mm-hmm. and a, a room, you know, that sort of thing. But if you if you look at the something called the Latrobe report, Charles Latrobe was sent out to the the different islands to see what progress was being made in education. Mm-hmm. He had all sorts of plans for he he drew the the the, the plans that were. Um, of the of the different buildings that mm-hmm. were that were uh, on already on the ground, mm-hmm. and in some cases, um, the ones that were being proposed, Would, did they make it? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. not. Yeah, but wow. so so the church, the churches mm-hmm. became kind of a, a catalyst for 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 education. learning. Book learning. Book learning, true, true. You know, true, book learning. Um, education of true reading and writing. And that opened up doors for, for many other people. That's why you see, um, I, I keep thinking, uh, when, when, I, when I talk about this, I think mostly about William Seaton, who was one of the founders of the First Union, the, the Workers' League, Wow. You know, um, the, the, um, 
the Mutual Improvement Society. He was very much involved in all these things. And his family was probably already free, but you could see that their pushing into education opened up doors for him, or he op and he helped open doors for, for others, people. Mm -hmm. you know, because he had good jobs. Um, sometimes it was teaching, sometimes it was running a business and that sort of thing. And he, you know, he did a lot. It's so, so it, you know what, amazing to me. I'm hearing, I'm listening to you talk and it's still, mm -hmm. I'm making so much connections to some of the same cultural remnants that we still have today. Mm -hmm. Like even things like, you know, getting people to, like getting your children into certain professions. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about, the, you know, people going away and being a lawyer and so mm -hmm. on. Like when I was growing up, that was one of the, you say the lawyer doctor, like lawyer yes, doctor. Yes. Like it was like, you need to, if you want to get, Social think, mobility, like yeah, it's lawyer I think that was, that was true of most colonies, mm. the lawyer-doctor situation, Correct. because I remember it in Malta. The only other thing we had was priest. Priests. Catholic priest. But then, then you didn't have a family. Correct, yes. Yeah. So you couldn't, have, yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't um, assimilate the yeah. same way. You, yeah. you had to, like, yeah. you're going to have to give up all of this right. to be a priest. Yeah. But the thing is, what, what's astounding to me is that we still kind of project that authority to those figures still today. Like, we still have most ministers being doctors and lawyers and, well, no, to a certain degree, accountants and economists. Yeah, but yeah. We, we attribute a certain level of respect to that still to this day. It's, yes, it's, it's which, is a, which to a certain extent is unfortunate. It's very, yeah. Because it limits people with talents that are not academic. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll never forget a family friend of ours one day when my son was doing um, his CXCs and I told him, oh, he has woodwork tomorrow. He, he told me, oh, that's not a subject. That's not a subject. And I I, it hurt me to... I don't know. <laughs> it just hurt. You know? Um, because I can't make build furniture. I, I can't either. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but yet he's learned how to make joints and and so on, and he's built things for me. It's so useful <laughs> yeah. of a thing, right? Yeah, and and unfortunately, we tend to still treat those kids things. with these inclinations um, as, less. as as less educated or less promising mm -hmm. when they could be amazing people. It's true, you know. It's true. And some of these same professions, I, I, I can't forget the other day somebody told me um, about a friend they have who works in New York and he is a sanitary officer, which we call garbage men mm -hmm. here because I guess we don't have any respect for them whatsoever in some cases and it's terrible because they're very necessary. And he's like, when he compared the salary of this guy to even like an AC operator, refrigeration engineer, however, he's like, this guy is making like three times more money. And he's yeah. like, why? How is that? He's like, how is it? How is it possible that this this person is who is basically again? He's a he's a garbage guy, but again, sanitary officer. He's making this much more money. How? That's not possible. He's like, but you're not thinking about it, Steve. He's like, you're not thinking about it realistically. How much people want to do this specific job? Yes. How much people would want to stick with and actually study this particular type? Because you yeah. have to have a health degree to do this, what he's doing. And not only that, but um, they probably also get um, 
Danger money. What Correct. We call risk pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, risk pay. Exactly. Because you're exposing yourself yeah. to dangerous yeah. things yeah. all the time. Yeah. So it's Plus, just I mean, if you look at the way they're dressed, of course, you, you realize there, there, um, there's health and safety <laughs> restrictions, um, and they, you know, they get the respect that they're that they deserve. Due. Yeah, yeah, that they're yeah. due. Mm. Yeah. But a lot of times, I mean, when I first started my my business too, it's the same thing. Somebody told me like. So you're doing, this is a side job for you? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, this is, this is my real, real job. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. And you could, you could tell the tone is like, you know, we thought that you would have been something else, you know, working in a bank. When they made my max, and it's like, yeah, you're going to work in a bank. I was like, I would die if I... Yes. Like, yeah. you, it makes sense you got me in this. happens there are people like you because otherwise... Who would be watching television then? Correct. What would we be watching on nothing, television? Nothing. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's, it's even, it's just, we don't see the value of things because we're kind of stuck in mm-hmm. the past mold of, okay, you yes. have to be a doctor, a lawyer, you know, yeah. for you to be successful. And that yeah. is just yeah. not true. And that's, that's what comprehension, comprehensive education was supposed to combat. Mm. The, the whole grammar school mentality, which channeled you into those things. Fields. But comprehensive education was supposed to allow you a smooth transition from primary school into um, uh, secondary school mm-hmm. um, and expose you to not only um, the academic subjects but also um, vocational. Yeah, yeah. But do you think we're doing a good job of that? I mean, no, I think I think we still have a long way to go. Mm. Yeah, and and unfortunately, we keep breeding the same type of teachers who still think that way. And I I know because I was caught up in it for a while and. The, the more I think about it, the more I regret some of the decisions I made. And I, I'm sure they were colored by that, that mentality. Now, with my kids going through it and with um, comments I've heard about kids going abroad and, and flourishing, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I really feel we need to do something. At least stop bringing these kids down. Mm. You know, not just because they're not mathematicians or physicists or legal brains mm-hmm. um, doesn't mean that they can't function and they don't have a a, a, a talent and a yeah. skill to share. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way we train teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're, we're, we tend to focus too much on the academics and we're not. Um, Encouraging any, the, anything else. Yeah. We're not creating whole human beings, we're just kinda of creating yeah, these. Yeah. But the, the colonial the colonial system, like you said that the, the churches, right, were mm-hmm. responsible for bringing mm-hmm. more or less, you know, at least the, the ability to read, maybe mm-hmm. write. Mm-hmm. Um but how did the colonial system that we have now, how did that come to be? Because we, we do have a very strict syllabus sort of structure. Where did that, that is that is something that um people would probably call white supremacy these days Mm. Um, in the sense that you were up there, you were comfortable. All you needed were people to do work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I see this mostly in Governor Fines. You know, Fines Fines Avenue? Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, Uh. He he was handed a report sometime in the early 20s. Um, where somebody wanted to develop education in the in the region, and his response was, "We need people to cut cane." 
you know? What? Yes. So this, this sort of um, developments that they were talking about, he did not see them as necessary. But then we have people like J.M. Sebastian, mm. um, James Matthew Sebastian, um, the former governor general's father. Mm-hmm. And he was so advocating in the um, education of girls. Oh, wow. That's something that um, did not exist here at that time. Later, a group of people, I think it was an initiative from the Methodist Church mostly. I'm not sure. I can't remember offhand. Mm -hmm. But then they developed this girls' high school. The grammar school had been there for boys all along. The girls' high school came about, what, in the 1930s? Um, and they had to bring in somebody from abroad, Miss Picard, to, to teach girls. girls. And she eventually trained um, local staff who eventually took over the school. And, and we've, got, we've had some amazing people coming out of that the girls' high school. We've got, we had our first medical doctor, female medical doctor, um, Lenore Harney. She also had a pilot's license, as far as I know. What? Yes. Um, who else? A, a whole bunch of people. Um, Kathleen Manchester, who was probably one of our very first historians. Wow. Um, yeah, there are quite a few. Do we realize that this is less than, 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 than 100 years ago? Like, this is 19-something. That's, 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 that's what drives me crazy. But, but then, hey, um, we forget too, too easily. You know, um, we, there was a time when kids could not go to school. There was a small gang that kept kids in the cane fields. Parents who wanted to send their children to school couldn't because the overseer said, put them to work. And they had to go. And this was something that started, if you see, if you see, if you see the slave registers, mm. there's a whole list of kids, six years and up, who were in the small gang, doing what? Weeding, feeding chickens, you know, things like that. Um, wow. And this went on for a long, long time. And even after government took over education, it was still going on. Why? Because the, um, the, 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 um, the plantations needed, needed a labor force. And they also didn't want to be questioned. An educated person would, be, would question. Would question things, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, J.N. France. Mm -hmm. um, Joseph. Joseph, right. He, he wrote a series of articles in the 1960s called The Working Class Struggle of Half a Century. And we have put a PDF of them on, our, on the website Historic St. Kitts. Historic St. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, he talked about a kid who managed to work out his father's um, pay, wages. Mm -hmm. wages for that week. And when the man questioned him, they put him out. On, on, on the, they, his, he found his house moved onto the street. 
you know? What? So, yeah, wait, so, so, so the, the young fellow yeah. basically looked through this page and said, this doesn't make any sense. Right. And he questioned the plantation yeah. owner himself? He questioned the, probably not the plantation owner because they were probably a, living abroad. abroad. Correct. So um, he would be but like, somebody, somebody, like an overseer. Yeah, a manager or an overseer. And that's the way they reacted in those days. It's just, uh, don't question me, yes. get out. Yeah, yeah. And because all the land in St. Kitts was plantation land, the only place you could put an, a wooden house belonging to a worker was on the road. What are you saying? So he had, he, that family had to find someplace else to live, and God knows how they were going to do it. All because he questioned... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been other things building up too, but, mm -hmm. you know... But that was the straw that broke the that, camel? That might have been the straw, yeah. And, and you said this, this, this Joseph M. France, this, 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 this was written in 1960-something? Yeah, he, he started them around 67, I think. 1967? Um, he was referring back to the 1930s. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right? Because I was like, what? Yeah, what what yeah. are we saying? I think, I think in some ways he was trying to explain oh, we the frustrations of, of that brought on Buckley's, you mm -hmm. know, the, the whole um, story the of the... Yeah. You're right, which was I, really I a protest. It, I prefer to call it a strike. It, 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 it was. It was a strike, yes. Yeah. But then the, the thing is, the plantation, at that time, emancipation was already... In, in full swing, but yet the subjugation was, was the same, right? In many ways, yes, yes, because we still had something called the Masters and Servants Act. The Masters and which, Servants Act. Yeah, which, which um, often continued to tie people to a, a, a particular plantation. You didn't have to have a written contract. The minute you agreed to work for that plantation for the year, you were tied to it, even if there was an opportunity somewhere else. What you are know? you saying? So yeah. you couldn't, so you couldn't have free lateral movement. No, 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 no. No, that didn't happen. So and 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 if you're working there and your children work there, then that's just your family is just gonna work there. No, that's the only yeah. plantation you could. Yeah. yeah. If you manage to get away during the dull season. But then how do you manage to, to transfer everything from one plantation to the next? When because everything you own is... Yeah. yeah. Are they going to let you? Are, is, is there somebody else ready, ready to accept you? And the plantation owners were like, you know, it was like a club, right? It was like, oh, it was yeah. like a fraternity. Yeah, yeah, so you, very you, much you're so. Not, I'm not going to disrespect you by taking what they call property. Yeah. This is sick. Yeah. And how long did it, how long did it, was it before, like, child labor was more or less? I think things started to change mostly um, after the Trade Union Act, mm -hmm. which was passed in 1939. Mm. Um, trade unions started to... Um, Crack no none. There was, there was a movement before that. Mm -hmm. um, in, in, in 1918, there was an attempt to start a union, mm -hmm. which is why we had a newspaper called the Union Messenger. It belonged mm -hmm. to that group. Even though they had to abandon the name Union. It, the, the, yeah, because otherwise they would have been considered illegal. It, it, they formed during the First World War uh -huh. when it was not allowed for a Union to, to form. And um, so they took the name Benevolent Association. 
Universal Benevolent Association. And I mean, you you see you see them fighting for membership, mm -hmm. fighting for um, trying to give advice about whether people should insist on wages and so on. They ha I think they had more success among the boatmen than they did among the um, plantation workers. The, the boatmen? Yeah, they were more, they were more militant. Oh. They stood their ground more. You know, the, the, the ones who worked at the ports? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and they managed to, to negotiate. Um, better better condition better, and yeah, better situation. At, at a time, yeah. It, it, not that it lasted. It didn't. But it didn't last. Not not that it it was something that could happen often, oh, you know. But mm. that that particular time, it it, it, it worked. Did. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so and then and then, um, the first real strike, apart from Buckley's, um, happened in 1940, uh, at the sugar factory. That was that was one of the. Um, Bracha was one of the workers there at the time. Of course. Yeah, and um, you had um, the emergence because the 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 union could work. Mm -hmm. There could be a union at that time, so it emerged as as the representative of the workers. Mm -hmm. Not a very successful um, negotiation at the time because a lot of people lost their jobs and. Thing, but it it continued to build over time. Over time, and and that's that's a, an education in itself. The idea of working together to achieve an end, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it would not have been possible without the work that um, Joseph Nathan and um, William Solomon and and those people did in the early union, True. the very early union, because they went around and explained things. In, in the different villages, one thing at a time to, to different people. people. Yeah. Had, and then held, they would spread it. Yeah. Held held uh, meetings with them in, in their offices in town when they finally got them and things like that. Obviously, they've, that disappeared. Um, it kind of fizzled out. And then the, the Trades and Labor Union came about. You know what I find what I find to be interesting at all points, right, is that whenever there's a group that's subjugating another group, mm -hmm. like whenever there's like oppression or anything, mm -hmm. the one thing that they crank down on, it's always the same. It's it's information. Yes. Like they guard, they stop, they yeah. eliminate, they they stop um people from coming together and sharing. Mm -hmm. Um and mm -hmm. one I guess one question I had for you in terms of that is was there a lot of like moving around like disruption of families in in St. Kitts itself when it came to the plantations like was there a lot of like okay well I'm gonna take I'm gonna rip you from your family I'm gonna put you over here and shift that was that was that um, happening a lot here that would have happened mostly under enslavement mm -hmm. so after where emancipation people, no, yeah so. where people were considered property, property so therefore they could be bought and sold or inherited and sometimes they didn't even end up in St. Kitts. They could have ended up somewhere else. Somewhere else, else yeah. Yeah, altogether. Because here in St. Kitts, um, the, the slave register shows us that we had um, enslaved people from Guadeloupe um, who had been brought here from St. Martin, mm -hmm. from St. From Saint Eustatius, even from North Carolina, you know, and South Carolina. 
there seems to have been a trade between the Carolinas and, and St. Kitts. What? Yeah. So, but it, what kind of culture shock is that? Because you... No, 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 no. Remember, there were all planters with slaves, full stop. <laughs> so, 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 so it's not like shifting you from here to here no, is not no, that no, big no, of a difference. No. It's just different faces. Yeah. Same, yeah. same spaces, different yeah. places. Yeah. That's, that's, really, that's really interesting. Mm. I, I've always been very um, drawn uh, to they this. Would have, they would have had business connections. Correct, yeah. And mm. again, there's a fraternity of, 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 of owners. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it's chattel slavery. Like, it's not yes. like it's. It, you know, it's always it's always interesting when people talk to talk about slavery and the, you know when even when they mention Caribbean slavery, it's a different kind of slavery here. Like, it, it, it was like, like I could kill you and there's nothing that would be done here. Yeah. Like Haiti, I think was was going through some yeah. ridiculous things, like burying people and, you know, leaving them putting sugar on the head and then basically name them die in the hot sun. Like these but things remember um that kind of brutality existed in Europe as well. Eh? Oh um uh, okay if we go back a little further than at than the middle um the the, the settlement here mm-hmm. you'll find the feudal system in Europe mm-hmm. where I remember reading once it wasn't unusual for um, uh, what do you call him a squire mm. or a lord, an earl, you know, to be riding along, don't like somebody and just chop off his head. So that those are things that you know that's barbaric. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why I don't understand why, we, why, why history has twisted it to make them out to be better. Or like Who not said that they're better? It's funny. When I, was growing, when I was growing up, and I'll share this with you, Vicky. Mm-hmm. When we were going through the whole, you know, the slavery, we had the book, you know. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember what the book was called. But was Carter and Digby? I don't know if it's Carter it, and Digby. It, it was a small, smallish book with... No, it, this was a, a slightly larger one. It, it was like, but it, it was filled with it was sugar and slavery and something. Mm. It was basically about about slavery, and it, that was one of my first, you know, understandings of of, mm. of Columbus. And the words that we were using was like, you know, Columbus colonized Saint Kitts. It, it sounded. Made it, sound, it made it. It sound made it sound like he brought civilization. some civilization to. An uncivilized bunch. Yeah. Like I, my first running with Caribs and Arawaks, and sorry to call them that still, but mm-hmm. my first runnings with those were that they were primitive and savages. Mm-hmm. That yes. that was the general yeah. distinction. So and even that, and that um, Africans were being done a, sla- a favor. A favor because the Africans were less than, and they, yes. they, they, they were so surprised by trinkets and 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 these these ridiculous things. I mean, of course, looking back now, these things were absolute. Yeah. fairy tales um but that was my first running with 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 this sort of and and understanding colonialization to to be something good you know yeah, like that's that's the carter and digby stories um these are fallacies i i remember when i first taught in convent school they were still around and one of the first things as i told the headmistress we need to change them and we brought in Lennox Honeychurch instead, mm. the, the Dominican historian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's got some 
not only were they beautifully illustrated books that could encourage, you know, um, kids' imagination and things like that, but they were written from a different perspective. Perspective, correct. Yeah. And that's the problem with history. History is constantly being rewritten. Um, when we... I, I, I like to share this, this thing that... Um, the story of the hunt is written by the hunters, not the not the lion. Because the lion is dead. The lion is either dead or injured or what have you. So if we don't want to be the lion, we better educate ourselves and um, learn what there is. One of the problems we have, as I said, is the fact that a lot of the people who we're concerned about were non-literate. Mm. But there are hints about them in the colonial documents that, that are in the archives. You might not find the full story, mm -hmm. but you might find something that makes you think, was this really what was happening? Was yeah. happening? You know? And that's a valuable question to ask. It is. Because all of a sudden, Marcus of the Woods is not a villain anymore. Mm -hmm. He's a hero who was leading the resistance against, against the oppressors. an oppressor. Correct, correct, correct. You know? Mm -hmm. When you start thinking these things. Instead of thinking he's yeah. a rebel or he's yeah. a deviant. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a deviant. He was no. fighting for justice. Well, at least for... <laughs> for freedom. Yeah, something. You know? Um, so, yeah. And there's, there's a lot more that can be read through those documents. You just have to go through them with a fine-tooth comb and question the, the language, mm -hmm. the official used. language in them. Anybody labeled uh, a criminal or a rabble-rouser or something like that, start asking, why? Why are they using that word for that person? You know, mm -hmm. is it true? What exactly was he trying to achieve or was she trying to achieve? Because there were women involved too, mm -hmm. you know? So... You have to yeah. question the history. Yeah. And, and I'm disappointed that we don't get, um, at least wh while I was there, that more people weren't coming from the college to do these history projects because there is so much to learn. There's so much to learn, you know? And maybe you find the, um, the manuscripts that we have difficult to read at first, but there are printed documents, newspapers, and reports, and so on, that could, easily, that could easily give you a, a topic mm -hmm. which you could develop into something really interesting, you know? So, yeah, there you are. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, um, Vicky, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to just say I thank you so much mm -hmm. um, for being on this show. Um, I think I'm going to have to bring you back here again. <laughs> Because there's, there's so much more questions I have to ask, especially about, you know, people and their living styles and the perspectives that we are given. Mm -hmm. Because I do feel that a lot of the perspectives that I was given as, as a, growing up, especially when I was younger, I was born in the 80s, mm -hmm. so, so I'm still young, kind of. But these young children don't see me as young at all. They see me as a big adult. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is I'm in that middle path now where it's like, I have to start questioning some of the things that yeah. I was told because they they're not true. Like, I, I think I developed a different relationship with 
with Christopher Columbus, the older I got mm-hmm. and the more I did my own research because yeah. the books that were given to me were not from the perspective of the oppressed, they were from the ex- perspective of the oppressor. And to learn of some of the things that he did, the kind of war crime level, mm-hmm. savage. And it's amazing that, you know, the words that they would use to describe my ancestors were that they were savages, they were mm-hmm. uncivilized. But the same, I could say the same of you. You were savage and you were uncivilized. Yeah. Hey, this is not something um, that related just to Columbus. Um, I remember growing up in Malta, Mm -hmm. where for a long time, all we had was the Italian station coming out of Italy because Mm -hmm. we didn't have a local station. Mm -hmm. And we were watching the civil rights story in the States Mm -hmm. unfolding on television. And the impressions we got were... These people are savages. What? We were never told about the, 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 the dogs that were let loose on and the them. civil rights yeah. people, you know, things like that. Those were toned down. All we saw was, oh, they're burning down this, they're doing that. Nobody told us about the churches that were being da- burned down for black people. True. With you know? black people in yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is something that is constant. It's constant, yeah. And... I'll never forget um, uh, an English lecturer I had. He he made us think twice about commercials and advertising and the language used in uh, in journalism. And one of the things he said was, uh, gorilla for um, an American is a freedom fighter for a Nicaraguan. Correct, correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, be careful. Look at what it is they're trying to achieve. Do not take everything at face value. When I look at CNN, Mm -hmm. tell myself there's another story somewhere. There is another story. And one place I'm glad I can access these days is Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, mm -hmm. Not that they're perfect. No, they're not. No, they're not. But th- at least but they at give least you a balance. There's a different. There's a different viewpoint. Yes. Which means there's probably another different perspective exactly. to them too. Correct. Correct. You know? So. Correct. I it's mean, like I you, even the whole question thing, it. Question education it. teaches you to question everything. Correct. And if it doesn't get you to that point, something wrong. Something is wrong. If you're not speculating, and something is wrong. Yes. It's like, what is this? What is this yeah. really? Because I, I, I have a friend, um, she works in an embassy, and she said the same thing. She, she's like, why do you think that China is bad? Why do you think that Russia exactly. is bad? Why do you think that Iraq is bad? Why do you think, why do you think these because things... Because the these Americans people, Because the so. Americans have told you these are the mm-hmm. enemy. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to question when someone mm-hmm. says, this is, why are these your enemy? Mm-hmm. Are they just not aligned with your interests? Are they obstacles for yes. you getting what you want? Up to last night, I was reading how they used Louis Armstrong, mm-hmm. the, 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 the trumpet player, tr- yeah, to as a um, for a diplomatic mission in what? Africa. And one of the things they did, the CIA, was apparently take Armstrong into an area where Patrice Lumumba was the, the the man for the Congo mm-hmm. and he was already imprisoned but they couldn't get close to him the CIA so they used Louis 
Louis Armstrong to get into that area because he was going there to entertain. He didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. They used him. And a month later, Lumumba was dead. Wow. So, so they used him as like a covert operative. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. These things, it, it's it, like... You've got to be so careful. You've got to be careful. you got to take everything with a pinch of salt. You do, you do. And then sometimes you have these countries with very strong anti-American sentiments. And again, the way the Americans paint them is that these are, these are a bunch of rebels. And yeah. um, they, what, what do they call them now after 9-11? Insurgents. Terrorists. Insurgents, right? Yeah. They, these are these, 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 these names. Mm -hmm. But these people, you are in their space. They don't yes. like you because you're occupying yes. their nation. Which, in most situations, any, any nation occupying another nation without that nation's permission is called an invasion. Exactly. Right? In, in most cases, mm -hmm. that is an act of war. Mm -hmm. But yet, the Americans do it, and it's like, we're just helping, we're policing, mm -hmm. we're trying to save the people, we're trying to introduce democracy. The people didn't tell you they wanted exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. And then when leave you, them to evolve. Leave on them. Their own leave them. If you want to help, help from behind. Send money and leave them. But they don't want to do that because when they send money, they need something in return. They right. want land. They want. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to um, control some resource. They, mm -hmm. It's just all of these extra things. It's not free money. It's not a lunch. It's just. It's for me. You know, so again, you have to. You really do have to question it. I mean, even with the um, Afghanistan thing, it's just. It's such a mess. It's such a mess. And again, the Americans will perpetrate, oh, this is the Taliban's doing. But you were working with the Taliban the whole time. Yep. You were. Mm -hmm. So, so why is it that? Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not, that's, that's probably a topic for a completely other time. <laughs> um, but Vicky, I want to just say thank you so much. Um, You're I, I, I think we need to, well, I need to, Try mm -hmm. to reach out to more people who can give us more perspective because sometimes you get caught up in the now and you're talking about stuff that's happening now, but you're not giving any context and you're not really mm -hmm. seeing that, hey, this is kind of a revolving door. If we don't stop this, we're going to keep doing mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again. And mm -hmm. I think history gives us that perspective. Yeah. It's like, we need this. Yep. We need to grow ourselves in knowledge about what happened before. So when these things are happening again, we can say, hey, no, 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 not that again. We see where this is going. No, no right. fascism, you know. Um, so again, Vicky, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, I so, enjoyed this. <laughs> I did, I had a good time. I was looking forward to that total matter. I'm so excited. I really want to pick your mom's brain on so much things, <laughs> but anyway, um, guys, we had so we had Mrs. I have to say your name, we had Mrs. Victoria Oflahati. Um, on the show, who is a wonderful historian, a pleasure to be around, mm -hmm. absolutely. This woman smiles and it's just, she just makes you want to smile in return. Like It's just amazing. Guys, again, you've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith, as usual. Peace. No gang signs, guys. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.